Today on Season 3, Episode 21 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce and Ken dive into the mysterious future of the Packers' offensive line. Who will remain a rock on the unit? Who may become a cap casualty? Will a loophole in the new CBA make the line play a little bit more interesting? Listen in as Bryce and Ken address listener questions, talk punches in the number two receiver position, as well as how this draft will impact Goody's legacy going forward. There's a lot to unpack in this episode, so grab a seat, grab a beverage, and relax. And now it's time for Talkin' O-Line on tap. so much for following the unknown packers podcast touchdown dagger al harris 56 yards to a game winning touchdown green bay packers running isn't everything but it's the only thing Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for talking about O-Line on tap with myself and Ken. Yet again, we survived last week with Showtime on tap and we had a couple topics that we wanted to piggyback off of and talk about the offensive line. But first and foremost, Ken, how are you doing? I missed you. It's been about a week since we've last chatted. Yeah, I miss you too, man. I'm um, excited to talk about... You miss me? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> you know, a little bit. You're going to make me squirt freaking tears right now, All man. Right. Yeah, I just got the got the kiddo to bed, <laughs> and I'm just looking forward to talking some Packers. Let's do it. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk O-line. Let's, talking O-line on tap, and then we'll do the second half. We'll do two fan questions. You had posted... Uh, a little tweet out and got a lot of responses. So we're going to talk about who the number two wide receiver will be and also the selection of A.J. Dillon and what that means for Brian Gutekunst and his reputation if that were to flop. This, these are fan questions. But that will be for the second half, the first half right now. I'm really curious. You know, you, you talked about last week on Showtime on Tap where the Packers were really healthy last year. And... I have a hard time foreseeing that they replicate that again, that that healthiness. But Coach Lafleur maybe be onto something. You know, practicing Fridays, going through walkthroughs on Saturdays, and um, changing up that structure that Mark McCarthy had. Um, you know, McCarthy had all these soft tissue in- injuries, and they seemed to go away with Coach Lafleur. But the Packers really didn't do anything. I feel. Uh, on the surface to that bolster their offensive line. But David Bakhtiari said that in year two, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with all along the line. But first and foremost, who do you think will be the starting five on opening day? Oh, or Well, I, I think the starting five, or at least for opening day of camp, are going to be similar to what we saw last year. You're going to have Bakhtiari, right. you're going to have Jenkins, you're going to have Lindsley, you're going to have Billy Turner and oh sorry and not the same and then I forgot our buddy uh, Rick Wagner Ricky Wagner will probably get you know every opportunity to start at right tackle brought in on a two year deal I believe it's an eleven million dollar deal over two years he's going to be given the opportunity mm-hmm. to start but you know I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in camp and seeing what opportunities there are for any type of position battles I think that right side of the line has a bit of opportunity now that 
the Packers have retained Lane Taylor on a kind of pay cut type of deal. He was a guy that going into the season, a lot of fans, a lot of people were pointing at the depth chart and saying, man, you know, five and a half million dollars for a backup right guard might not be feasible. And Lane Taylor was kind of a popular name along with Jimmy Graham as some cap casualties. But now that Lane Taylor is all but assured to remain on the roster, I got to think that he has an opportunity to fight for that right guard spot. I think so too. And it's interesting because I think that, I mean, for, for some people, that is a trigger. You're like, how dare you? We paid Billy Turner all this money and he's going to start. And I, I don't know. But when we started, you know, developing the agenda for this episode and talking about that right side, that's why I wanted to approach the question right off the bat is who do you look at that, that starting five? I think I agree with you. I think Wagner's going to come in. Interesting enough, when we were doing the research, uh, drafted the same year as David Bakhtiari, 59 picks later in the fourth round uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. So that Milt Hendrickson connection with the Baltimore Ravens. But he had been hurt for most of hit the second part of his contract that made him the highest offensive tackle in the league that he signed with Detroit. But in Baltimore, I mean, he was as steady as, as they go. And then Detroit, I mean, the wheels just fell off. So I'm really curious to see if he can stay healthy. But man, they could have... Gutekunst and Russ Ball, Hendrickson, they might have gotten a bargain with Wagner. I think the real interesting thing is Jared Valdir. I thought that maybe he would be involved in bringing him back on a one-year deal just for insurance. But, you know, now I'm looking at, you know, the one guy that I really... I'm gravitating towards is uh, Yash Nyman. Really? And yeah, I just, he's really athletic. And granted, you know, undrafted free agent out of, of Virginia Tech, practice squad guy. But man, he's a big boy. I think six, seven, highly athletic. I, I just, if, if Wagner isn't healthy, then you start kicking people out. And I just, I, I would much rather have Nyman than Alex Light. I would think. Right. I re- um, when I think of Nyman, but. the first thing that comes to mind is a friend of the show, Ross Uglum. After the draft last year, I remember one of his things he put out in the Twitterverse was, if the Packers had an eighth round pick, that was Yosh Nyman. Like, because he, he liked him a lot. He fell in love with him. His RAS score, I believe, was off the chart. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting. I th- he has a chance to to maybe be one of the the swing tackles on this team. I don't, you know, it sounds from everything that I know about him that he was a ball of clay developmental project. And, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. 2020 is the year, maybe 2021, maybe it's practice squad, maybe he sticks around on the back end. Uh, But that's that's an interesting name because outside of like those top five or six guys that, you know, we talked about at the beginning, the depth on the O line is rough. Um, well, I think there's 17 guys currently on the roster, so that's like an NBA. Right. That's like an NBA, <laughs> you know, full roster that we have just for offensive linemen. And there's a lot of opportunity. There's going to be a lot of battling to kind of fill out the roster. And but yeah, you mentioned it at the beginning with health. Like, 
we were very lucky to be very healthy, especially across the line, because the saying goes, it, the best thing about an offensive line is being able to play consistent with the same five guys. You can read each other's minds. You know what the other guy's going to do before he even knows what he's going to do type of mentality. Right. And if you start having guys go down left and right and people start shifting up and down the line, things can get real dicey real fast for quarterback position. Well, I think with, you know, Bakhtiari really mentioned it in his, he had a, I believe Wes Hockowitz for Packers.com wrote an article about the offensive line. Uh, he was on a Zoom call and talking about the year two and being a little bit more comfortable in the offense, them having the right pieces in place uh, to succeed. And I also feel that we're forgetting about, you know, Degara, um, what he can do. You got Mercedes Lewis as well that can possibly come in and chip as well. But I think the, there are two people I mean, outside of Wagner, I think Wagner is a is a guy that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on because I want to know what that right tackle position will look like. Big time gamble, but it could be a nice reward. But the two players that I'm really excited about, I guess, obviously Elton Jenkins, you know, him being a left guard, you know, Lane Taylor's bicep injury was a blessing in disguise. Elton Jenkins took that job and did not look back. Um, he's a budding superstar. I want to... I want to say when it's all said and done, that'll be the best selection by general manager Brian Gutekunst. Um, but he was a left tackle in college. He was a center in college. Was not a guard. He played more at left tackle, or he played more at center and, and played more at left tackle than he did at guard. So he was predominantly a center. I'm sorry for clarification purposes. Was pre- predominantly a center, but I think he had like seven or eight games that he he started at left tackle, and then there was like four at guard. So he's a guy that I feel that is so talented that just understands the game that I feel like you can move him wherever. And I know you don't want to because he seems like just the greatest left guard and him pairing up with David Bakhtiari, but I think he is that chess piece along that line if injuries start to occur. Think about the this. Second, think did, about this really oh, quick. Ahead. I have to jump in here with uh Yeah, with do Alton. it. Like um he was dominant. That's the only way to put it in 2019. He was dominant. And imagine if he was playing out of position and still dominant. I know. Right? If, <laughs> th- there's a world where he could maybe be the center of the future for, you know, the next 10 years, pencil it in, and could play better at that <laughs> position <laughs> than he did at guard. I remember when he got, crazy. When he got drafted in the press conference, Goody's like, yeah, he can play all over the line. And they're like, typically, you you get your best player and your smartest player and you bring them into center because they needed him to run the offense and run the offensive line in college. And I think I totally agree with you. The sky is the limit for, for Elton Jenkins. I'm, I'm glad because, you know, doing, you know, prepping for this episode and making sure, you know, dotting our I's and crossing our T's. Elton Jenkins, there's just something about him. And I think that seeing some conversations on Twitter about, you know, he's a left guard. I mean, I just think that's narrow-minded, in my opinion. I don't think you move him for the sake of moving him, but you can definitely, I mean, it it allows some flexibility with possibly Corey Lindsay not coming back next year, 2021, free agent. But the the second thing that I want to talk about before we talk about the expiring contracts of David Bakhtiari and, and Lindsay with you is, um, Lucas Patrick. I feel like we. I feel like people don't talk about just his journey 
undrafted guy out of Duke, you know, rookie workout, practice squad, elevated to the 53. Every year, he's gotten better. He played, um, he chipped in at center. I think he is also that versatile chess piece for that offensive line. And, I, and I, it boggles my mind that not enough people are talking about Lucas Patrick. He signed a, what, a two-year deal in December he, worth, I yeah, think, $3.6 million. That was, um, that kind of went under the radar because, yeah, both in December of last year, the Packers did some sneaky cap-saving moves to make things a little bit more open for this season um, by stashing some of that money in 2019. And the deadline to do that is December, right? The calendar year, December. Yeah. So they renegotiated Rodgers a little bit or they restructured Rodgers a little bit, you know, moving some of his bonus around. And then Lucas Patrick, you know, signed a sneaky two-year extension. So he's got 2020 and 2021 under the books. And he's got a $1.3 million cap hit this year. Like, the guy can do it all. Like, and he's yeah. a guy, to your point, who been misreliable, practice warrior. I think Rodgers called him out several times um, over the years as a guy that, can, you know, has stepped up and can fill in when needed. And I think he's a huge, huge part of kind of a insurance policy, if you will, for injury along the line. And you need guys like that. You need reliable right. backups in this league because injuries are going to happen. Well, and not only injuries too, but then you also look at these contracts that are expiring with David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley. And we talked about it, you know, in Showtime on Tap. What is your gut? You know, we got salary cap extraordinaire. What is your gut? You you mentioned that you believe that Bakhtiari and Lindsley would come back. I mean, they both led their positions respectively with block win rate. Bakhtiari had a 96%, Lindsley had a 98%, and then also Elton Jenkins, I believe, led his positional group too for uh, block win rate, which means uh, how dominant they are. And I'm kind of wondering with Lindsley, maybe I just kind of bypassed it a little bit, thinking that Jenkins might be there, but what do you look at uh, with those expiring contracts? So going into this draft, the 2020 draft, I I was the one banging the table saying, not wide receiver, not inside linebacker. The number one need of the Packers is offensive line. Because I was looking at exactly what you're talking about. You had Bakhtiari, Lindsley, and Bulaga, who were three starters, all either expiring with Bulaga or about to expire with Bakhtiari and Lindsley now being their last year. I'm like, you need reliable guys to potentially replace them, or at least to be able to hedge against them leaving. And if prices do get too high, you've got replacements. And yeah, we we got we took three guys all in the sixth round. You know, hopefully one mm-hmm. of them hits. But if I'm looking at this, you know, I said it at the time. Um, I listed Bulaga, Bakhtiari, and Lindsay. I'm like, one of these guys will probably come back, maybe two. And now that, you know, I've had some time to think about it and, you know, we've made some signings, had some draft. I'm thinking Bakhtiari is a guy you have to, have to get done. And, you know, with all the other names that are out there and what the cap's looking like for 2021 and who knows what that is at this point, because it could go down, it could stay the same, it could 
go up if they do some really crazy negotiation magic, but all this COVID-19 stuff has to play itself out and how that's going to impact the league. I, I think Lindsley's gone. It's just, I, it would be really tough. And especially because there's of the guys that are on this roster that are not, you know, penciled in to be starters today, most of your strong candidates are your interior line type of guys. And so you can move an Elton Jenkins over to center, or you can have a Jake Hansen who you just drafted as a true center in the sixth round. Maybe he's the center. Or Lucas Patrick. Lucas pa- for, absolutely. For Lucas Patrick could, mm-hmm. you know, fill in at, you know, any of the interior three spots. Absolutely. You know, Billy Turner might be one of those names where I know he got a lot of criticism first year of his deal. You know, this is, uh, you know, he's definitely going to be on the roster this year. You can't cut him without it being negative cap move. Like maybe he doesn't make it past into his third year and you got to figure out something on the right side. You know, they drafted three interior guys and we'll see Mm -hmm. who gets a step up. But right now my money is on Bakhtiari coming back, Lindsay walking, and you got to replace him. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to think now with, you know, you look at that offensive line um, last year, they had 36 sacks compared to 53 in 2018, so they improved there. You've got 1,795 rushing yards, which was 15th in the league, with 18 rushing touchdowns, which was 7th in the league. The pass protection was the best in the league, where they had the team pass block win rate at 72%. I, I alluded to that, and to clarify, Jenkins was 8th, respectively, at, at the guard position with 95%. But the the block win rate to expand on that is where you hold a block longer from the, than 2.5 seconds. That's considered a win. So Bakhtiari and Lindsley were dominant in that in that regard. And you've got Elton Jenkins as a rookie that was ranked eighth. So I think, and Bakhtiari, listening to him, it, it, it seems that he's going to be a Packer. Some look at him last year as a down year, you know, more penalties than usual. He was dinged up. So I feel like, him and Rodgers have been working out. You know, Bakhtiari is talking about how Rodgers has this fire deep within him and it's inspiring him. So I'm with you. I think Bakhtiari is a must sign. And I'm curious then, what are there any other names? Because, you know, you, you had mentioned with the CBA, the active player rule change, which allows the increase from 46 to 47. Um, a 48th player can be active if there's at least the eighth active offensive line. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So a little, little known kind of tweak to the active roster rules. So the roster is still 53 players, like the 53 man roster. But, but again, you would have to have, you know, kind of undress and seven guys, right. Who, who couldn't suit up and be an active for the game. Well, that, that automatically gets bumped up by one this year with the new CBA and for the first, you know, through the 2020, sorry, through the 2030 season, you can have 47 guys active. You can have a 48th guy active if, again, like you said, if that 48th guy is the 8th off- offensive lineman or the ninth or 10th, you know, if it's 8 or above. So oh, I see. Okay. That, to me, like, I'm wondering <clears throat> if there's going to be some, like, Bill Belichick-style, like, rule looking at this and being like, okay, because... W- you're giving me a free player, and then you're giving me a free offensive lineman. Like, I'm wondering if there's, like, room for, like, fitting a guy, like, just a run 
uh, like just like a, a mauler, right, in the run game. You sub in a guy whose only job is to come in on goal line, and he's just this humongous guy that you can just run behind because you literally have a free spot on your roster that you didn't have to use, and it's only reserved for offensive linemen. So I'm just wondering if there's going to be some sort of creative gamemanship that we see this year taking advantage of the extra (laughs) offensive line rule. Because you can have nine or ten active if you want, but there's basically, yeah, if it's an offensive lineman, you get an extra one. Wondering what's going to happen. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. The, the, The thing that I've been enjoying, you know, this is our third episode that we've recorded together, uh, uh, we had the one guest episode, Salary Cap on Tap. And then last week we did our first episode. There's all these silver, like, not silver linings. There's all these little takeaways that I'm learning from you. And that CBA rule is definitely one of them. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we'll be right back with the second half of our fan questions. Go Petco. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation. Whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. And we are back with the second half of talking about the O-line on tap. We're just scratching the surface with the offensive line. We're going to continue talking about that, but I really wanted to sort of piggyback last week's episode into this week, and maybe something that we talk about today will be part of next week's episode. But moving forward, you have myself and Ken Ingles as a co-host for the Unknown Packers podcast. We'll still have Nebels, our producer, our magician behind the scene, and Scott, our sound engineer. We've got Jeremiah as our logo and design, and we'll also be contributing in episodes as well. So have no fear. The Unknown Packers podcast, we feel, is on the up and up, uh, pun intended. With that, we've got two fan questions, Ken. And the first one is, can Devin Funchess be the number two wide receiver? Man, um, well, if you would have asked me that maybe before the draft... I would have said probably not. I think we all thought that somewhere in the draft, we'd be looking to find a receiver maybe in the top three rounds who can maybe compete for that spot. Look, I I don't know. I, I don't know if this team is going to have a quote-unquote number two that's going to be your obvious choice, like your fantasy football guys are like, yep, after Adams, this is the guy you need because he's going to get all the catches. I think it's going to be almost like a number two by committee, <laughs> like running back mm-hmm. by committee. Yeah, And yeah. <laughs> I just look at the other guys like on the team. They're so they each bring something different. Lazard, he's 
proven to be the man and he is your dependable third down possession type of receiver. And he's going to be getting a ton of balls, a ton of looks, and he's got playmaking ability. MVS, I know we talked about him a little bit last week as well. You know, he's your guy who's going to be right now your speed guy, your deep ball, your play action number one option. Um, you know, he's got the ability to maybe step in there. Don't forget about EQ, who was looking real good last year before he got hurt. You know, he could potentially make a play, but. I don't know. I feel like I feel like too many people are sleeping on Funchess. I looked at him a little, you know, earlier this month, and I'm like, you know, before he left to go for the Colts, the two, last two years he was playing down in Carolina. He averaged 50 receptions, 700 yards, and six touchdowns a season. Like, okay, yeah, sign me up. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Like, yeah, and he signed a one-year $10 million contract, I think it was, with the Colts last year and got hurt in game right. one. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. Like Everyone's like, oh, well, he's hurt. Well, I don't know. You can come back from injury and still catch a ball. Like I'm not comparing him to Jordy Nelson, but Jordy Nelson was gone for the season, and he came back and was able to you know, be a difference maker for the team for several more years. So... I don't know. I, I I'm curious to think to to get your take on where Devin Funches fits in in the step chart because we haven't talked about it at all. So I'm really curious. No, um, I think it's a sneaky sign by Gudekunz. I think it's a shrewd move again. You know, buying low on a guy that was really solid, a uh, more of a red zone type of guy. But man, he's got the case of the dropsies that really scare me. So. I think that, you know, with Rodgers, I think those two can connect. I think that Funchess has a chip on his shoulder. I think he wants to prove that he belongs. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he was a former first-round draft pick. Either that, late first or early second with Carolina, if memory serves me correctly. But I more look at it like I like how you phrased it, uh, number two by committee. And when I look at number two wide receiver, I might go for receptions. And if that's the case, it's Aaron Jones, in my opinion. Sneaky. Um, (laughs) And, I mean, he finished with 49 receptions. I think he can definitely eclipse 50. Year two with Matt LaFleur, you've got A.J. Dillon in there, which will be our second question. But I just look at Aaron Jones and what he can do catching the ball out of the backfield He's a difference maker. He's an X factor. I mean, you look at that Kansas City game. I just think that LaFleur is going to get a little bit more creative with Jones and making sure that you get the ball in in Jones' hands and Adams' hands. So I'm not expecting a lot, but I would love to see, you know, six, seven, eight touchdowns, you know, him being that red zone threat that he was in Carolina. Um, what was that game? Didn't he score three touchdowns against the Packers? Yeah, I think it was at Carolina. It was with Cam, and I just remember Funchess scoring. Was that his um, Cam's MVP season? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. So, sounds about right. Yeah, I think he had like eight. I think he had eight touchdowns, and all of them were in the red zone, essentially. I think if you're going to go for a number two wide receiver, I don't know how it can't be Alan Lazard. It's going to be another year in this offense. He almost had 500 yards and um, only started in two games. Like you said, he 
you know, he's that third down type of possession receiver. He was elite with Rodgers. Him and um, him and Lazard were, I mean, they were unstoppable on third down. He's got swagger. He's got moxie. Um, he's clutch too. Uh, that Lions game, essentially securing the NFC North for us, getting that two seed. And then, I, I mean, we had the one seed if that San Francisco-Seattle game, <laughs> Jacob Hollister can get a score a touchdown there. Uh, maybe we have the one seed, but... Anyway, I digress a little bit. I think that it'll be non-traditional. I think if you're going to look at a wide receiver two as a playmaker, uh, receiving yards, reception yards, I think it's Aaron Jones. If you're looking for a wide receiver, wide receiver, I would align more with Alan Lazard just given the fact that him and Rodgers are developing and this is another second year jump for Alan Lazard. So that's that's my take. I, I can't wait for more Alan Lazard. And, you know, I was just checking it to make sure my my numbers were correct here. So he's <laughs> he's a he's he only has one accrued season, which means that you were um, around for six games more or less. And so through you know, I think this is like his third year in the NFL coming up, mm-hmm. but he only has one accrued mm-hmm. season, which was last year. So the Packers were able to bring him back as an exclusive rights guy, which means he can only negotiate with the Packers on a one-year deal. After this year, he can only negotiate with the Packers on a one-year deal as an exclusive rights guy again. Because That's some sexy information right there. And then after 2021, he'll be a restricted free agent, and he can the Packers can... Like, this guy is... He has the ability to stick with the Packers for a while, and he's the type of guy that you need who's amazing on the team that's a little bit affordable, you know, so you can be able to, you know, pay all these other guys like Clark and Bakhtiari and potentially, mm-hmm. you know, your man Jones, Showtime. You know, you need you know. need these guys. <laughs> you need these contributors, these diamonds in the roughs that you just find on these you know, super team-friendly deals. And don't get me wrong, you know, Lazard will get paid eventually if he proves that he is the man, which I think both you and I think he is. But in the short term, he's going to be rather cheap and catching balls from Rodgers. Yeah, I didn't didn't know, you know, a crude season was another thing that we talked about last week with Dalvin Cook, you know, holding out. He holds out one game in training camp, you know, he, he misses an accrued season, correct? Right. If you don't report any player who doesn't report to training camp on time, that's not an excused reason. You automatically lose that accrued season, which goes into a lot of factors of the CBA. But the biggest one, the one that we, you know, talk about a lot is, you know, what your minimum salary can be. Oh, no, sorry. That's credit seasons. Um, it, Mm -hmm. sorry, accrued seasons will be what your status is upon your, contract ending right so accrued seasons determines whether you're going to be an unrestricted free agent versus restricted right or exclusive rights and so yeah that's a you know going back to last week's episode losing one of those accrued seasons would be just detrimental in the holdout in the new cba and then that's crazy that we come to this week and we talk about accrued seasons being beneficial to Alan Lazard and the Green Bay Packers. I had no idea that essentially the Packers own Alan Lazard for the next uh, several years. So that's exciting. Yeah, I I thought that was a great question. I do think that people are sleeping on Funchess. The one thing that really concerns me is I just remember watching him and him dropping a lot. of, And maybe 
maybe I need to do my due diligence, but I, I recall Corey Jenner John, we had him on from She's Had TV, and that was his big concern was Devin Funchess and his, his ability to catch the ball, to haul that in. So it's something to keep an eye on with him. But as we wrap up, talking about the O-line on tap with our second fan question from David Dubois or David Dubois, my apologies. I hope it was one of those. Uh, He says, hypothetically, what sort of reputational cost is there to Goody if he misses with A.J. Dillon? Taking a running back high is already risky, but doing so and not hitting seems real bad. This is assuming love is at least serviceable. I think this is a very intriguing question. Like, I wouldn't have thought of this one necessarily off the top of my head. Like, you know, Goody's reputation with A.J. Dillon because, you know, he referenced it in the question. I think Goody's reputation, A, for this draft, and B, for his legacy comes down to the Jordan Love pick, right? And so I think, you know, that is by far going to get the most scrutiny and to see the development of Jordan Love and, you know, who he turns out to be as a football player. But that's why I like this pick, you know, the pick right Mm -hmm. after uh, with Dylan because, you know, I go back to draft day and, okay, I see Jordan Love and, you know, I'm like, I let that sink in a little bit. I thought it might happen. (laughs) I didn't see the trade up, but I'm like, okay. I I I get it. Okay. And then round two, I'm like, a running back. Huh. I don't think mm-hmm. I, I don't I did not see that coming. I think I think this question gets even more intriguing is if Aaron Jones doesn't come back. Because now that's a bigger spotlight on Dylan. If the Packers don't bring back Aaron Jones because his contract gets too outrageous and Dylan is mm-hmm. now asked to be the man. That now becomes a box score watching, you know, for the next two or three years, right? You're going to look at what did Aaron Jones do each week? What did AJ Dillon do each week? And if it's not in favor of the Packers, you're going to get a lot of scrutiny for sure. Interesting. I, yeah, I, I'm with you on, I thought that it was just a fascinating question and. It's something that I think that we're definitely going to talk about more. I'll admit, I mean, they when they took A.J. Dillon in the second round, I thought to myself, okay, interesting. I have no idea what Gutekunst is doing now because I was thinking tackle personally. And then in the third round, they follow up with uh, Josiah Degara, and I was like, oh, boy, I really have no idea what's going on. And I don't ever want to do a mock draft again. I don't want to do any sort of draft <laughs> analysis moving forward because it was such an epic waste of time. <laughs> but with A.J. Dillon, I think the more you research on just what a physical specimen he is, you know, he's got coaches from Boston College. I mean, where he put up close to 4,400 yards and like 38 touchdowns, he was the top athlete in Massachusetts. He was the top player recruited, chose Boston College. I just, I see so much of Derrick Henry, just how right. physical he is and and what Derrick Henry meant to, uh, what he means to the Titans and what Dylan will mean to the Green Bay Packers. The more you watch Dylan, I mean, seeing him throw off, you know, players and, you know, just shake off players and just truck 70 yards for a freaking game-winning touchdown against Louisville and Lamar Jackson. 
as a freshman, nonetheless, I think he was compared to as the most exciting running back next to Ron Dane by um, several coaches within you know Boston College as well, and they even refrained from saying that we felt that as a as a freshman that he could you know do wonders. Um, we still refrain from saying that because you know you don't want to you know give these lofty expectations, but. You know, Dane was special in college. So was Dylan. I think the people, I think people gravitate to the fact that maybe Dylan was more of a third round graded running back. And then we took him in the second round. I think that's ridiculous. But I just look at December, January. I look at Lambeau. I look at cold weather games. I look that at everything's going to stem from the run. That doesn't mean that they're going to hand the ball off on first down. So it, everything's just going to stem from the run. And I, I just think that they're going to be more succinct. And for me, I can't see this pick missing. I think the only way it misses is if he gets injured. I just think that he's such a specimen. The tape speaks for itself. You've got Aaron Jones. You've got this thunder and lightning compliment. You've got a very good offensive line that's starting five. You've got Aaron Rodgers got Matt LaFleur that really wants to instill a more prolific run game. I just, I, I again, I, I think this draft was aligning all the um, wants that LaFleur wants in his offense, but his legacy, that was, like you said, that was after Jordan Love. Um, you don't make that selection if you're not competent in, in Jordan Love and, you know, you're one game away from the Super Bowl. I know that the Niners essentially, you know, throttled the Green Bay Packers. But yeah, it's it's love. But so for me, it's if love hits and Dylan doesn't, I, I I think you're okay. I think everything will rely on whether or not love hits. Right. If if Jordan Love hits and every other single player misses, that's still a win for the draft. Yep. Right. Yep. If you can go from Favre to Rogers to Love flawlessly. And mm-hmm. it's a win. It, it's it's a win. And Goody is the man forever. You know, these guys could all, you know, have one year careers and be done. And the, the draft will still be a success. It comes down to love. But that being said, man, I, I agree with you. I am excited to see what A.J. Dillon can bring to this offense this year. I, I want to see some mean I, running in December. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just... I, I think it gives the Packers some opportunity to be flexible with the run game too. You know, we talked about it last week where you think that maybe Jamal Williams will be that surprise cut. You had him on uh, as cut on your most recent 53-man roster. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I did. I did. Right? I just... Yeah, that's, I, just, I was making sure. I, I don't know where... He, you know, I, yeah. it's like doing a March Madness bracket, right? No one, you know... There's got to be some upsets built in, and just looking around and seeing, seeing what the you know who's in the backfield room right now, and you know, I, I I'm reading these articles out there, and people excited about all these formations that can happen now that Dylan's here, and then we got Deguara, and mm-hmm. we got year two of the offense, and you know whose name I don't see a lot in those exciting new fun packages that we can run, it's Jamal Williams. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Big Swag. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I I wanted to add this uh before uh before we wrap up. Also another thing with AJ Dillon. I think 
how I'm answering this question, uh, David, is more of the fact that I just I don't I don't foresee him busting. But to your point or to David's point about love being serviceable, no, no, no. love has to be special in my opinion. And I think that Gutekunst can get creative, but you also have to look, this is his third year as general manager. You're looking, you need some big uh, year threes from Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, EQ. So, and then you're looking at last year, you need a, you need a big jump from Rashawn Gary. Um, You, you struck, you hit on Darnell Savage and, and Elton Jenkins. We'll see what happens with Jay Sternberger. So this will be interesting uh, this year. But the other thing with A.J. Dillon that's so fascinating is that he's a naturally inquisitive guy. He, he loves to cook. He is like an amateur, uh, not amateur. He enjoys uh, photography, travels. And also, even though that uh, they didn't feature the pass game that much out of the backfield, he still made sure that that was something that he had in his repertoire. So... The little things, you know, pass pro, run, you know, run blocking, all these different things. Dylan has that. He's a grinder. I mean, he's just a physical freaking specimen. But on top of it, uh, everything that coaches have said have backed it up. He's a humble guy. I think he just fits uh, the culture. Looking at the whole draft, he is quite arguably the most exciting person for me just because of just he's a He's a menace. I mean, just on the football field, he will just lay you out. And in green and gold, in snow, in the frozen tundra Lambeau field, giddy up, sign me up. But with that, any last words, comments before we bid adieu until next week? Nothing, man. Go pack, go. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm sick of hanging out in the house and you know whatever. Like I, I want to see Packers. I want to see. I want to see what these new guys can do. I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready. Giddy up, like you say. Let's go. Giddy up. Well, you and I will definitely be. You know, week in, week out, co-hosting. Um, I'm getting excited for training camp and uh, keep your uh, eyes and ears peeled for our upcoming guest episodes where we talk a little bit more about training camp. But there you have it. Talking about the O-line on tap and addressing fan questions yet again for another week. I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.